Super Entrepreneurs Podcast. Today we have with us Lizzie Horvitz. How are you, Lizzie? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Thank you for taking the time to come on our show. Yeah, it's, so, it's a great experience. Yeah. So thank you. Um, can you kind of introduce yourself in your own words, just so the audience knows about you, and then we'll get right into it? Sure. I am the founder and CEO of Finch, which decodes products' environmental impacts. We rate products based on their environmental footprint to help consumers make better purchasing decisions and then help companies make better manufacturing decisions. Uh, I've been in the sustainability space for my entire career, passionate really about how we can fix climate change in the private sector. And after working at Unilever for three years, I decided to become an entrepreneur. Hmm. Oh, wow. That's a big jump. How do you it like it so jump. far? I absolutely love it. I thought in grad school, I went to school for a master's of environmental management and an MBA and thought that I, for the rest of my life, would work at a big company like Unilever. And so that was really the goal. And then when I got there and realized it really wasn't everything I thought it was going to be, I sort of went back to the drawing board and figured out, you know, what are the other options? And an opportunity arose to go work for a startup based in Southeast Asia. And I just completely fell in love with entrepreneurship, taking a company from inception to scale, et cetera. And it was a great sort of testing ground before I went off and, and started my own company. And then realized uh, that I, I just wanted to dedicate my life and, and my own business to this. Mm. And I heard that the sustainability, these type of products have gained more popularity since COVID. Is that true? I think COVID provided an opportunity for people to see how detrimental we were on the planet, right? You know, nobody was flying mm -hmm. anymore. There wasn't smog. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the waters of Venice weren't polluted. So people sort of got this taste of what happens when commerce stops, which obviously wasn't a good thing, but was kind of a nice way for people to understand their impact on climate change. And so, yeah, I think that's absolutely correct. Since COVID, people have been much more concerned with their own footprint um, after seeing, you know, what this world could look like. Mm. So true. And so important, you know, like it's, it's surprising that it wasn't a... Um, a primary requirement for any business to look at this because you know we have to take care of our of our home right our earth um and this definitely and, and i'm so grateful that that you took this leap from employee to entrepreneurship and you know we're, we're happy to have you and <clears throat> what are you seeing the trends for the next five years in this uh, niche Thank you so much. Well, you know, not only is it not a requirement for companies, but it's actually worse than that. Companies are able to say whatever they want about products, right? They're able to say this mm -hmm. is eco-friendly. This has 
sustainable packaging, it's chemical free. They make these claims and contribute to greenwashing in a way that's really detrimental because people think that they're buying things that are good for the planet. Um, but actually it ends up not being, not being very good in many cases. And so part of the trends that I see in the future are demanding more transparency and more sort of uniformity of how we talk about this across the board, because Mm-hmm. Five years ago, Gen Z wasn't really old enough to be shopping for themselves, right? And now they are a huge, you know, population who cares more about sustainability than any other issue facing this planet. And so when we think about that and their buying power, they're really encouraging companies to make changes and to be a lot more transparent. And so I think we'll see um, a lot more pressure. We'll see companies mm-hmm. not being able to get away with claims that they used to be able to make and generally, you know, everybody being more educated for it. Mm -hmm. So pressure from who is there like actual government agencies that are looking at this? In the United States, we're actually a little bit behind in Europe. There are many governmental agencies um, who are, are taking control of this. They're always about five or 10 years ahead of us. Um, in the United States, I don't know if we'll ever get there, to be honest, where the government will be taking such a strong stance. But I think in the nonprofit world and just through social media, um, that's really where companies are feeling the pressure. And what I'm excited about with Finch is we will be able to really part of the hard part with companies right now is it makes they have a difficult time making a business case for um, for sustainability, right? They don't know how much money they're leaving on the table, how much money they're losing, et cetera. And we're able to take these numbers, take these behavioral insights from the way that our extension works and say, you know, 20% of the market looked at your product, but ended up going with a different product because that was more sustainable. And so Mm. I'm excited for companies to be able to really have that business case for making the right decisions. So that would be my next question. So does sustainability create, other than, you know, actually taking care of our environment, other than that, does it help the business? I kind of got a, a, a glimpse of it that consumers, if Gen Z, for example, if they're seeing two uh, similar products, one is sustainable, you know, they'll pick that. So. Is there any data behind that right now at, at the current date um, about knowing if there's a difference in their sales or growth by becoming sustainable? I, I don't have large scale uh, numbers on that question, but I do know anecdotally mm-hmm. at Unilever, we had 38 brands in North America and the brands where we invested in sustainability grew almost twice as fast as the brands where we did not invest in sustainability. So that's just mm. one data point from one company, but I do think there's okay. truth to, um, you know, prioritizing long-term gain over, over short, you know, quarterly earnings. I think beyond mm. that, when you invest in sustainability as a company, you're also hedging against a lot of risk, right? When you're being irresponsible about the amount of water that your product is using, you're not protecting yourself against future um, droughts or wildfires or other things that climate change comes with. And so I think all around, it's a really smart decision from a financial standpoint, you know, on top of being obviously good for the planet. 
Yeah, like there's motivators behind it. Exactly, yep. Mm -hmm. And do you think a small business, you know, not someone, not not like a, a bigger corporation, but a smaller business can introduce uh, sustainability? Yeah, it's a really good question because often what happens is the larger companies are really the only ones that have the upfront, uh, the upfront yeah. money to to pay for a lot of these changes. Mm -hmm. You know, one example is like post-consumer recycled materials or something that every company wants to get their hands on. And if you are a Procter and Gamble or a Unilever, you have an easier time doing that than you know a, a yeah. regular startup. Um, I think on top of that, startups don't have a chief sustainability officer or a head of sustainability or a scientist, mm. right? Um, and so it, I think it's a, more of an uphill battle for smaller companies. Um, yeah. but what we're seeing in the, in the space is exciting, you know, pre-competitive collaboration where a lot of small companies will come together who would otherwise be competitors and say, you know, we're all looking for the same materials. Let's, let's combine our forces and, and pay for more. Right. Um, yeah. there's a lot of those types of innovations happening, um, that makes it really a lot easier for, for smaller companies to play in the game. Mm -hmm. And Lizzie, it sounds like there's multiple future niches that people can jump on, like a couple that came to mind right now, just listening to it. Maybe they're out there. I'm not sure. I'm just thinking um, out loud that, you know, the one is, is companies providing funding to go sustainable, right? Or some other kind of brokerage or brokering that kind of a deal to bring uh, a group of small businesses together with the same type of brand and create a sustainable uh, product. So what do you, what do you think about that? Those kind of niches are, are, are ability for entrepreneurs to get into, right? I think absolutely. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think also it's worth noting that investing in sustainability doesn't always mean that your product is going to be more expensive. I think when you're mm -hmm. comparing apples to apples, one product versus another in a store, you can easily come to that conclusion. But what actually happens sometimes is, um, you know, two similar products, one that's more sustainable might be more expensive, but it lasts longer, right? You won't have to use it as much because of the ingredients or um, it's made with better materials so you can reuse it more, all these different factors. And so unless we think about sort of all of these potential negative externalities and other um other factors, you know, yes, there's, there's opportunities a, a lot for funding of startups, et cetera, but yeah. moreover, um, it ends up being a more economical choice for a lot of reasons. Um, when you're, when you're making a sustainable decision. And do you feel that in the future, those claims that these brands were making, they will start becoming more truthful about those claims. And my next part is that how could they get away with making those kind of claims, especially North American companies? My hope is that through companies like Finch, you're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. You know, to answer your second question, the reason 
they can get away with these claims is that they don't mean anything, right? So, you know, we love saying, we love using chemical free as an example. Our world is made of chemicals, right? Lemon juice is a chemical, baking soda is a chemical. And so saying something's chemical free is not only incorrect, it just doesn't mean anything. Another word would be eco-friendly, right? There's nothing stopping a company from making an eco-friendly claim because there's nothing they have to prove yeah. to say that. There's no definition mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. sort of universally known. And so my hope for yeah. Finch is that we can start normalizing this across companies, across brands, so that you're really just looking at one set of data and companies have to sort of meet those standards. It's not a different definition depending on what brand you're from. So I, mm -hmm. I hope, yeah, that's, that's sort of my pie in the sky overarching goal for Finch. Awesome. And do you see Finch working with government agencies in the future or are you, are you currently working with any government agencies? We're not. And that's a good question. I don't see us in the short term working with government agencies quite yet. I don't know if they're, you know, I think to solve climate change, you definitely need input from private sector, NGOs and mm -hmm. governments, no question. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm more excited, you know, Europe has been successful, but in North America, I'm more excited about the potential for companies like Finch and other companies to sort of take this on as opposed to governments getting involved. So if awesome. the U.S. government decides to take this on, we're excited to chat with them about it. But um, I don't think they necessarily have to at this moment in time. Oh, that's great. How'd you come up with this name, Finch? Good question. I had a newsletter before I started this company that was along Thanks. similar lines, and it was called The Green Lizard. My name's Lizzie. My nickname is Lizard. And so I thought that was a really clever name. Oh, nice. Um, and yeah, that's clever. When I started, thank you. And when I started this company, I wanted to call it Green Lizard. And when I hired my marketing team, they said, if you, if you really care about this, we will we will make this good. But you're making our jobs a lot harder with the name Green Lizard. It's just not sophisticated. It's hard to have people take it seriously. And so we did sort of like a two two day naming workshop where we came up with a lot of different ideas and names. Finch stood out because it's the most adaptable species on the planet. It was studied by Darwin, and we like to think of our community as you know living in urban and rural areas and all over the world and being able to sort of like be adaptable wherever. Um, and so we really liked that connection. Um, mm. And that's how we, we kept the name. No, it's cool. So it has a meaning behind it. I just wanted to know, you know, sometimes I hear, oh, it's my grandfather's name or something, right? So this, this is falling right in the lines of what you do. So it's perfect. And also from my side, I must say Green Lizard, is catchy, you know, like as an entrepreneur, like when I hear that, I was like, green lizard, what is, what is this green, I okay, so green too. environment? Yeah, like environment, lizard, like this is, you know, it's cool. Like totally. I'll, if I heard it, I'll remember it, right? So that's the whole point of a name is you want to, you, you want it to be catchy. And I don't know, I don't want to <laughs> take you backwards. I love Finch as well. Just sharing my, my view on it. No, I, I agree. The, one of the reasons also we loved changing it from Green Lizard is because my newsletter was just me, right? I was the the center of it. It was all about Lizzie as Green Lizard. And Finch yeah. is so beyond who I am. You know, yes, I'm the founder. Yes, I'm the CEO. But 
we have an incredible team of people who we're working with whose name isn't Lizzie and nickname isn't Lizard. And so yes, I love yes, that Finch is sort of this true. mutual. Everybody feels important. Yes. Yes, I agree. That's good. So <clears throat> my next question is, Lizzie, will you consider franchising this? In in what way would you see that happening? I'm so curious. Like, yeah, just thinking. So, you know, creating a, a, a brand where you start franchising this to independent owners following your procedures in cities all over the world. I don't think so. You know, I don't think that's necessary because we rate products we rate products in the public domain, you know, any product that's on Amazon in the category that we rate. Okay. We so, okay. Already rate them. And so we don't need to sort of partner with companies to Got have it. them get rated. Um, we hope yes. grow, you know, we'll expand by category and by geography, but otherwise um, we wouldn't There's no need like selfish. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So tell me what's the difference between when you were working in the job, and now that you're an entrepreneur, how does your morning look like when you first wake up? What did you used to do and what do you do now? If oh, you don't I mind love sharing. This question. Um, no, it's, it's one of my, I love talking about this because I think there's such a difference. Um, I felt like in a big job at a large company, um, or sorry, not a big job, but a job at a large company, um, it felt a little bit like Groundhog Day. You'd wake up and you'd have the same things to accomplish every single day, right? You'd have to, you know, check your system. You'd have to, it was like a hamster wheel where, you know, yeah. on an off day, you might get a unique question from a brand that you could really use your brain for. But otherwise, it was a lot of the same work. And, and certainly not only every day, but certainly every year, you know, around the same time of year, there'd be the same thing that you could expect. Um, it was a lot of monotony, to be honest. And as a startup, I have not had two days that have been the same um, in the past two and a half years. So to your mm. question, you know, it's 8 a.m. for me right now. I'm, I'm interviewing with a podcast. Tomorrow I'll be um, prepping for some investor calls. I would say every three months for me, my job completely changes. And so that sort of keeps me on my toes. I'm able to learn about so many different things. That's probably my favorite part, honestly, is that when I was at Unilever, yeah. I was using my background as a sustainability expert, which was fantastic. That's what I went to school for. But now, you know, I'm thinking about hiring practices and internal operations and fundraising and all these different aspects that, that a founder and leadership team has to constantly be keeping in mind um, as they're running a company. And so I just feel like I'm using a lot of different parts of my brain. Mm. Makes complete sense. You know, in, uh, in the corporate world, uh, you're also kind of assigned specific duties and, and tasks, and you don't really uh, go out of that realm. So it can, over time, just feel like it's just repetition, repetition. So I'm so glad that you're experiencing that because it's all about that growth too, the internal growth. When you're learning things and you're taking those steps in business, it's exciting. You know what I mean? Like, especially when you love your brand and you love your business, 
you want that, you want to have that on your plate. You know, it's different, right? Like you just, you want to be around new challenges, new experiences. So uh, definitely I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you. I think that's a really good point. And it brings up another, uh, another aspect, which is in large corporations, there's almost this sort of race to get promoted. There are only so many spots yes. on the level above you. And so people are really territorial, right? And you don't want to get in mm. someone else's face. Sometimes your boss will give you a hard time about working on something that you're interested in, but isn't part of your core duties. And I think, you know, partly it's the way that I really wanted to run Finch. I don't know if this is true to all startups, but at our company, our mantra is, you know, if you're getting your own work done that you're responsible for, there's nothing within Finch that that's out of your realm, right? So I have my data scientist coming to me with TikTok ideas or my social media person coming to me with rating ideas and, and then everything in between. And so I really like to foster that environment where my colleagues and employees are able to really use different parts of their brains as well. Mm. Lizzie, have you ever considered starting your podcast on this topic? Because you sound like you, you, you're well-versed, right? Like you're obviously well-versed in this uh, industry. Have you ever thought about spreading that message via podcasting to get this to more and more people? I love being a guest on podcasts. Um, it's been really fun for me to be on shows like yours. Uh, Thank you. I think, you know, you know better than I do. It's hard work to be a host. It's, it's a full-time job for a lot of people. And so, um, yeah, I think at some point I haven't found a podcast that is specifically focused on what Finch does. And so I think there's a good market. There's then. a good opportunity for us, but yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but I think right now I'm happy to just be on other people's podcasts and take advantage of, of their yeah. audience and network. Yeah, it's a step-by-step, -step, right? I just wanted to drop that there because um, you have great communication skills, right? Um, you. you know this information, right? Like the back of your hand. <clears throat> when, when podcasters do podcasting, the good ones... They're actually doing it purely out of the the people. Like they're just they're just so passionate about bringing more and more like information and message and value to people, right? So they're coming from an elevated consciousness, right? So they're going into it from that feeling, and it honestly, like for me, it doesn't like it doesn't feel like hard work at all right just like your business it doesn't feel like that at all like you feel very comfortable you love it every morning you love meeting right doing your stuff same with with me is i love meeting people i love being around uh these these ideas and and the motivation behind it the mindset behind it and then bring that value to the people what happens is that when you bring that awareness out there um it's not just lifts your business, right? It will do that as default, but it also educates the people. And the only reason why I said that is because you have the, you have that talent, like you, you'll be a good host, but that's something that you should look into um, when you're expanding your business, because it will expand like, like amazing with, with, a, with your own podcast. 
Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. No problem. And it's something we'll think about no for problem. sure. Yeah, definitely. And we'd like to ask our guests what their innermost superpower is that got them to this point. Oh, shoot. I wish I had prepared for this better. So, no, no. There's no pre superpower. preparation here. Two friends. We're just very organic. We just chit-chat. Take your time. Think about it. I always allow the guests to kind of take that in. There's no rush or pressure. This is your space. You know, just take your time. Something will flow. Just look deep. And there's something within because the business is not the business that, that creates, the, like the business on its own without human beings is, is just nothing, right? It just breaks and some signage and website, right? But right. it's the people behind it. So you going into this venture, making it successful and seeing Finch go places, you know, you got to this point because there is something within you, deep within you, that is a superpower that got you to this point, right? So just just feel that and see what comes out. I, I think I am relentlessly optimistic. Um, I, oh, I love it's easy it. for me to envision. Yeah, I think it's really easy for me to envision a world that doesn't exist um, and imagine what what's possible as maybe cheesy or cliche as that sounds. And so um, sometimes that can be a detriment, right? Not, not always being real and, and seeing the maybe downsides of people or businesses. But um, I think being able to envision this world that runs perfectly has been really great for me as I've, as I've started Finch. That's beautiful. I love what you said, you know, like this is, an incredible superpower and, and it's going to take you places. Um, but the optimism is super important and never feel like, Oh, I'm being over opti optimistic because you know, what if I'm outside of reality or something, but if you're not thinking big, if you're not feeling that what you can accomplish, you know, it's very difficult to take those big steps if there's no belief and there's no optimism, right? So keep that fire burning, keep it up high because that is, is what is going to elevate Finch, you, right? So uh, it's a great superpower. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, I want to say thank you so much, Lizzie, uh, for coming on our show. It was a great chat. Learn a lot. Um, you know, I'm, I, my wishes, my best wishes are for you and your company and all the employees. You know, I hope you guys grow uh, really big and, and change uh, the way people do business and make it more sustainable for the future generations and, and you're doing a great job. There's great leadership. There's great mindset behind it. Keep going. And, uh, I hope in the future when you get to a place where you need to share something else, just send us an email. We'll love to have you back. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. No problem. And audience love you guys. Thank you so much for engage, engaging on the social media. Uh, visit my website, shahiddurani.com. Uh, also, uh, Lizzie's uh, information will be in the show notes. Get in touch with her if you have any questions. Um, and, you know, just want you guys to know really genuinely 
uh, appreciate you guys uh, for being there. I hope this these episodes bring value to your life. But I always say, taking the information in, listening to this or watching this, is just one part. It's just information. We need to do something with that information. So take action. Get out there. You know, make your dreams a reality. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lizzie. Bye-bye. Thank you.